So praise God. So we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We do have needs, Father, and you know what they are. You see them. Uh, you're here to meet needs and, and to uh, express your love for us through the speaking of your word and giving us understanding through the Holy Ghost anointing that bathes each word in power and, and uh, love and, and soundness and understanding. So we thank you, Lord, that as we hear your word, faith comes forth by which we can please you. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So so today we're going to talk about the fact that you must please him. Amen. You must please him. Or for those of you from the city, you got to please him. You got to please him. Gotta please him. So uh, either way, it's a it's a must, amen. Uh, in order to receive from God, you know, I was thinking about this um, a little bit, and I, I I was saying to myself, I said, God, it's so common uh, for doubt to creep in after we've begun to, you know, believe you for certain things and 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 doubt's part of the carnal mind and and i understand that but i was thinking to myself i said lord why is doubt so powerful yeah remember yesterday when peter we talked about the fact that peter stepped out of that boat and to walk on water he had already asked god's permission he asked jesus lord if it's you let me come out there where you are and jesus said come on with your bad self you know Get on up on that boat. And um, Peter did get out, but he got distracted by the natural circumstances, wind and waves and all of that. And, and as part of that, he began to change what he asked Jesus for. No, I don't want the hard thing anymore. Even though at one point that hard thing must have looked easy to him because he started out. Amen. And so I think whether it's hard or easy depends on our focus. You see what I'm saying? As long as you're focused on God, you stay focused on him. And I think that's really the challenge. And I think that's what God's after. He's after a people who will stay focused on him, obey him no matter what, no matter who says that's not the thing to do, no matter who says you're crazy for what you're doing. And, and, as long as you hold on to your faith in him and express your faith in him without wavering, he's pleased with you and you'll get what you need. See, there's no getting what we need without him, us pleasing him. And I think a lot of times when we get doubt and we start expressing doubt, you know it on the inside. You're wondering if you please him or not. See what I'm saying? So doubt really is the searching of the mind for whether or not we're pleasing to God. You won't find out if you're pleasing to him in your mind. You're looking in the wrong place for the right thing. Amen? Because your carnal mind doesn't care about pleasing God. And it'll never be able to please God. It's actually at war with God. So you're searching in the wrong place for the right thing. We do wonder sometimes if we please God. You, you, have I confessed the word enough? Have I preached, uh, uh, read my word enough? Have I studied enough? Have I done this enough? We always have this I'm lacking in pleasing him thing. But I'm here to tell you, you can get rid of that. And you can get an understanding. You know what? 
you have a peace about whether or not you please him. See, that thing needs to be laid to rest in us. It needs to, uh, I mean, I think if there's anything you endeavor to do, I think it would be endeavor to know when you're pleasing to God, know when you've done what you're supposed to do, and rest in that. Amen? Because God has called us to a peace and a rest. Rest in what? Cease from your labors. Cease, cease from you trying to, to prove God that you know the word and you're doing the word and I'm doing what brother so-and-so says I ought to do and I'm doing the list of things that I've heard is necessary to do. So, you know, that's probably got to please, that's going to have to please you, God, because I've done all these lists of things. And it's just a bluff because we really don't know deep down if we do please him. But I know there's a way to know. See, there's a way to know if you please God. And so, and I think part of that is learning how to commune with God and fellowship with God and want to have peace with him in the everyday things that you do. Because often it's the everyday things that we do that are most pleasing to God. And the things that we think are so important don't really mean a whole lot. Or maybe sometimes he just wants us to quit trying so hard and ask him. You understand what I'm saying? And so God has really called us first and foremost to relationship because the first thing he did is forgive our sins. And so that opened the door again for relationship with him. And once relationship is maintained and if we seek after that relationship with God, that pleases him. We, you know, you'll see the things in, in, in the Bible where Abraham was just sitting around kind of like doing nothing and three visitors came by his, his place and they say he quick in a hurry went and got some. He detained, hey, wait, stop here for a minute. You know, stay here. And I think that's part of pleasing God is reaching out to him, not letting him pass you by, being quick to respond to him, being quick to say, God, you know, let's get into some revelation. Let's get some understanding. Let's get preachers can always meet meet God in the way of, of revelation of the word. You get in the word, you start digging around, and that's oftentimes where where preachers, people, fivefold people, can meet God. That's why many of them preach themselves to death and don't have much of a personal life, because we feed worship leaders can always mean they go by themselves, get on the piano, or get on whatever they get on, or start just singing a cappella, and they can always you can always meet God in your gift. And he gives everybody a gift where, where they meet him. If you're not a fivefold, you can meet God. Say, suppose you, you have always done craft things. And when you get to the place where everything else in your life is falling apart, what do you do? You go to those familiar haunts where you know you've always had that solitary place with God and he met you. Amen. So your gift is important to feed your life. Your gift is important for you to connect with God. Wherever you, whatever you've done in the past to please him, where that comfort of God showed up and that presence of God showed up and then your mind began to, to delve into the thoughts of the heart of God and he began to reveal things to him, to you. That's what he's given. That's how what he's given us to stay close to him. So your gift really becomes a point of contact. Your gift is not to merchandise in the world. It's not to make you blow up on YouTube. 
Amen. Your gift is is for you to have contact with God. See, it gives you significance. It gives you something to talk to him about. Amen. You ever try to meet new people and you can't you can't figure out a conversation to have with them? You got me? But with God, you always can converse around the things that you know he gave you to bless you with. And that's usually your gift. It's usually your, the blessings of, 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 um, things that are personal between you and he. Amen. This is beyond, you know, your husband, your kids, your job. Your, I'm not talking about that stuff. Now you can converse with him around that, but you won't have the personal contact and the personal enjoyment. See, your gift is between you and him and what he gave you and and, and the purpose of it. All of that, you can have relationship with God around those things. Always. If your kids leave you, the dog leaves you, your man leaves you, everybody leaves you, your job leaves you, you don't have nothing else, you got you and you got what he gave you. Amen. And that's where we fellowship around. That's where we have contact with God. I feel sorry for people who think their gift is to make them important in front of people. I say, you missed the whole point of why you're here. You missed the whole point. I'll see people get one thing going on and, and, and they want to take it everywhere and make a whole big deal out of it because they did one thing right that, that God gave them to do and they still don't know how it happened. But they want to go write a book about it. They want to get on Amazon. They want to do all this kind of stuff. That's not what that's for. <laughs> Your gift is for you to deal with God. It gives you something to talk about. Amen. It gives you something because it's to make room for you in the earth, but it won't make much room for you if God doesn't have control over If you don't let him develop it, if you don't let him touch it, if you don't let him have control over it, it's not going to do much good for you or anybody else. I don't care how many contracts you get. And how viral your video goes. You know, to some to some people, viral is like 10 plays. Girl, let's make this thing blow up. People is just loving this stuff right here. Huh? Sometimes God will make people not hit a like or nothing just to show you. See, you don't know how many people really look at that stuff. Because them Facebook people, if them ain't the most crooked people I've ever heard of, they ain't going to tell you the devil. The, a liar is never going to tell you the truth anyway. Amen. So you don't know if you blow it up or not. Amen. I'm serious. Until Amazon offers you a check for something, you ain't blew up. Well, whoever that's for, praise God. We're just just moving on in life here. We're talking about pleasing God. You know, you please him with your conversation. You know, I, I was never so amazed, I think, to, and relieved in a lot of ways to find out that I was called to the ministry when that got to be real to me. And 
it settled a lot of issues in my life. Issue of what profession are you going to try next? Because I tried a lot of them and was never satisfied. You know, in the family, you get a reputation sometimes as a person is always, oh, what's she doing now? She didn't bend it, you know. You understand what I'm saying? It, these things, like when God comes into your life, your life is settled. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, from beginning to end, even old issues get settled. New issues are settled in advance because of his blood and what he did for us. But even the old issues get settled. The old questions get answered. The old problems leave your life. Because when he comes in, he takes care of all these things. So your gift then begins. It starts a new adventure in your life. You start page one of your new creation life of who God really created you to be. So there becomes uh, a, a fellowship around who you really are. You are your gift. We need to find out what it is. I didn't mean to talk about gift. Well, whatever you want me to do, God, I take that back. But you understand what I'm saying? That's who you are. When God calls you by name, for instance, he calls me Barb. Barb, prophetess, preacher, minister, that's all my name. And all of those people, all those gifts respond when my name is called. You can't separate you. That gift is your identity. That's who you are. A large part of who you are. The reason we fail at many things in life is we never tap in. We're scared to let go of some of the things we think we're supposed to be doing in order to tap into the gift. We just don't want to let that go. Because we don't really trust the future that God has for us. You understand what I'm saying? We just, and then what happens is you, you get mired down in what you think is the, your purpose in life and you're working against God. See, many times he just wants you to please him with letting go of everything and trust him to bring the things that you think you want out of life. And then after a while, you start to live in life and you you say, well, what made me think that was important to me? Or what made me think that was such a, a big deal? You understand what I'm saying? That's when you're coming into his mind. When you begin to understand that you never knew who you were to begin with. You had no clue what your purpose in this earth was. And now you're in school learning you. You got to learn you. And part of learning you is learning how the real you must live their life in order to please him. You got to live your life in a certain way that's pleasing to God based on who you really are. Not who you think you are and not who the world has painted you to be and not that familiar corner, that comfortable little corner you've always resided in. But you've got to understand what's really inside of you. You have eternity on the inside of you. And you can offer eternity to many, many people based on where God places you. So when we understand who we really are, we can begin to treasure and value the things that are valuable to God. 
you got more to talk to him about. You can make more plans with him. You can you can understand yourself better. You can understand. You can't really please him without knowing you, the real you, and who he called you, what, what he called you to do, how he called you to be. Once you understand the real you, and you said about allowing God to teach you who that is, develop who that is, put that person out there, for service to humanity that's loving your brother as yourself, then you can be, well, I don't know if some of y'all might remember her, but she's a, uh, we shall behold him. She wrote that. She's wrote amazing. You would think this woman lived in heaven, some of the stuff she wrote, but she got, she was sick once. She had back troubles pretty much off and on through her life. And I saw her, Pat Robertson invited her on the 700 Club. She and her, she was married to Buck at that time. They were married. She was given her testimony, and she she said this. She said, "Well, Pat, you know, people would come up to me and tell me, uh, uh, Miss Dottie, all you got to do is believe God and use your faith." And she said, "Me and Buck looked at each other, and said, what they talking about faith?'" She said, "We knew people who lived like that, but we didn't live like that." <laughs> She said we got we were she said we were spoiled. We got paid to do everything we did. You know, we love God, worship God, but but having to live by faith, she said, we never did that because they never lacked for anything in the natural until she got sick in her body. And she would miss engagements and stuff and God would tell her, Until you get up and you sing like you're well, you won't get well. And she would go and many times be in pain, but she would get up and minister, and she said the pain would immediately leave her. And she began to understand how important taking care of her gift was as far as preserving her life is concerned. See, it's life and death that we understand who we are. If you don't, you'll always be in the wrong place. At the wrong time, you'll be expecting the wrong thing from the right people you understand what i'm saying you won't be able to please god until you understand who you are you give in to that you succumb to that and and you be able to to make the adjustments that you need to make because sometimes our revelation of who you who we are comes at a time when we don't have no more time to waste doing a lot of things that you see people do, missing it, getting back, backslide, leave the church, get mad at everybody 10 years later, come back. On. Some people just don't have that kind of time. you got just enough time to obey God every day so that you can please him and you can have peace with him and you can have nothing missing, nothing broken in your life, anywhere in your life. See, you don't have time. I got married. I got uh, saved when I was 30, 35. I was just getting my healing, my mind back. When I found out I was called to the ministry, I realized I said, time to back up to your early 20s and plan to have a family plan. You got to let that go and let God have it. You understand what I'm saying? And I was believing God to have children, but I knew somewhere within you ain't got enough year for that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being real. And I know many of you believe with me, and I appreciate that. But somehow in me, I said to myself, you're either going to catch up now for all the years you had 
that the devil stole from you, not being able to serve God, or you're going to try to have to reshape and remold this and back up and spit some things in that should have been done, you know, in your heart 10, 15 years ago. You understand what I'm saying? When you're hitting 40, you got to run like crazy. You got to burn up everything. You got to chomp that word like nothing else. You got to eat that word day and night. You got to be fully devoted to God. And you have a sense in you that it won't all happen. It won't all get done if you don't devote it 100%. You got me? And so when you think about pleasing God, you must include your gift. What am I called to do? What am I here for? If that question doesn't really get fully answered, you're going to be always in your confidence in him when you go to the throne for what you need. I'm just being honest. See, we look at people sometimes and we see how their faith works like clockwork. And then we look at their life and you think to yourself, man, how do they, they don't have a minute for me time. You're supposed to be over that already. When you're a servant, we all have to get over that. I don't care if you're a believer and do things on a believer's level or if you're fivefold and do it on a ministry gift level. You must 100% give everything over to him in order to be sure that you please him or there's no pleasing him. See, if we think that it's okay with God, see, people who want to please God, don't, your mind don't run that way. That ain't important. That's okay. God understands. People who want to please God don't think like that. God understands. Don't come up in my thought life. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping he don't see this, see that, you know, but he sees it all. You know, so, well, God just don't hold this one against me. You know what I'm saying? Just out here, I'm a widow, you know. <laughs> you know, I put that out there every now and then. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> right. And a merry widow at that, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. But uh, uh, that is important. I think it's important. I didn't mean to go all there with that, but you know, we just and see a lot of times our dissatisfaction in life can be traced back to not being understanding who we are and what we're here for. Because boredom should never come up in the life of a believer. You know, I mean, you, your life, it should be filled with all the goodness of God all the time. If you don't have real stuff in the natural going on, you got plans and dreams, you got prayers on the altar, you're involved in this project, that project for God. It should be filled with the fullness of God. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And, and if you live a full life in God, you won't have these well, wonder here, wonder, you know, what's it taking so long? And you know what I'm saying? And once you understand yourself in God, you, you respect his, his control over your life. And you quit wondering about a lot of things that the enemy wants us to wonder about when we, when we don't please him. So pleasing God is, is, is 100%. Turn to Hebrews 11. I'm going to talk a little bit there. I do have a, a scripture for an example where talk about how faith needs help and all those kinds of things that we're familiar with but I'm back up to Hebrews 11 for a minute <clears throat> it 
It says in 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So faith really becomes your manifestation of, of what you pray for. You got two manifestations for everything. You got a spiritual manifestation, then you have a natural. Well, I could even get a Jehovah's Witness to say amen to that. I mean, come on now. It ain't nothing in that they would argue with. <laughs> huh? Come on now. If it's a substance of things hoped for, hope is what? Invisible. Write that down. So if hope is invisible, the thing you hope for is in the invisible realm, right? Yeah, it is. If faith relates to hope, then faith is invisible as well. So faith and hope are both invisible properties. I'll call them properties for lack of a better word. But hope is a vague picture, but faith has substance. So faith comes to make hope real in the invisible realm. When that Cadillac shows up in your driveway, that's the visible realm. So there's two manifestations of it. Faith is substance in the invisible realm. And the thing you ask for is substance in the natural realm. Amen? One area is protected. The other one is not. The invisible realm is protected. So whatever it is you're praying for, believing God for, is protected property. Now, I would say your stuff is safer in the Fort Knox of the invisible realm of the glory of God than it is sitting out there in the natural. And that's why God talks to us about real treasure. See, your real treasure is the things that are in, in your heart that he puts in there by his word. When God puts something, when it says hide the word in your heart, that means so it can't be stolen out. The fact that word hidden really gives gives it away. When it's in your heart, it's in a secure location. Amen. Nobody knows where it is but you and God. Nobody can get to it but you and God. Every now and then we'll let what's in our heart out of our mouth. Huh? Lordy, 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 do we pay a price for it sometimes. Depends on what kind of atmosphere you release it in. But that lets you know how special it is. The fact that somebody want to steal it from you by speaking unbelief to you. Huh? That lets you know how special it is. And how thankful you need to be that it ain't out there where the devil can get it for real. Because he tried to work his way in there to rob you anyhow. So the fact that God says our riches are in glory should give us a sense of security, a sense of well-being, a sense of importance. God, you care enough about me to have all this stuff set up for me? 
Give me the key. Give me the key. <laughs> huh? He knows most of us ain't nothing but stick-up artists anyway. That's why he keeps. That's why he keeps it out there, where it's secure. Because if we know we got it, we'd be like uh, who was it? Hezekiah was on his. You know why Hezekiah was on his deathbed? Running his mouth and showing all the the treasure of God, God's treasure to. See, you can drop dead real quick messing around like that. Running off at the mouth. God told me he going to send me uh, to the nations. He going to do this. He going to do it. Before you know it, you're the backslide. You sit up in a bar somewhere because you run your mouth everywhere. You know, you can hear sometimes in people's preaching, they the ones that like to brag on certain things. You're always thinking, boy. Just go home and enjoy your your multitude of stuff you ain't supposed to have no way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Crazy stuff. <laughs> Normal Hayes tells a testimony when he, he said, I was in the Baptist church. I didn't know nothing about Jesus met me in my car and melted me down for how long how many hours i remember how many hours it was you know it melted me down and he tells a testimony he was a businessman he said i had too much money didn't know about uh five cadillacs he said i spent more money trying to keep the uh the batteries so then every preacher then that's hoping they get enough make enough money to get five cars or a collection of cars felt like that big I mean, he knew how to, I, that man, I'm telling you, you think to yourself, you say, now, now, Lord, now, who was that for? I say, I sure don't have no five Cadillacs. Then you hear all the testimonies of the faith preachers that got all these expensive cars. An honest testimony will put the world in check. But see, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You got to have that because in order for you to get released to you, what's in a spiritual storehouse for you, you've got to use spiritual tools. So if you want a Jimmy with the lock on your closet in heaven, you need to get your faith out, increase your faith, start talking to God about your faith, start talking about God about ways to improve your faith. The disciples did. They said, Lord, increase our faith. He gave them a parable, and they act like they didn't know what that meant. But what it meant to me was, you got to speak to something that is not here in order to get something to appear. Or you got to speak to something that's in the way of something you want and make it move. Uh-huh. So, see, with that with that right there would have put most of them. They said, oh, really? I didn't know all that was. Huh? I just want to be on your right hand and my brother on your left hand. But if that's what it takes, you know, <laughs> let me pray again. You know what I'm saying? So he says, it's the evidence of things hoped for. So now faith and hope are both intangible properties. But one of them is weightier than the other one. Faith hitches up to your wagon of hopes and pulls them across the finish line into the natural realm. 
So every time you you believe God for something, thank Him for it, you just see your faith pulling that wagon closer. When you stop speaking, what happens? It don't pull. You got me? When you get mad at the saints, what happened? It don't pull. When you quit worshiping God, going to the church he assigned you to, it don't pull. Well, if you don't please him, what you think? You think he's really just going to give you stuff because you, you? I mean, that's all wonderful. But you got to do something. That's what my husband, my late husband used to tell me. He said, baby, I love you and all that. He said, you the cutest girl at the party every time we go. See, he got to say that. He got to say that because he brought me. Just remember that, ladies, okay? That really don't mean no more than that. Huh? I said, yeah, I know, baby. That's why you brought me home. That's why he said, but but you will have to do something around here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you make yourself necessary. That's what we're doing in God's kingdom. You got to put your faith to work. You put it to working on your gift, working on something. You got to make yourself necessary. Huh? He love us and all that, but he said, if you love me, oh, really? I got to love you? Really? I love you, Jesus. No, he said, if you love me, you do what I tell you to do. No matter how hard, how challenging, you got to believe you could do it. So he says, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. A lot of this chapter is about the elders, talking about those who have gone before us, serving God. It says, through faith, we understand. Now, your faith has understanding in it. So when you start to believe God, that's when you understand. You ever have people ask you stuff like, well, um, if God is, why does God like floods happen? Well, that's a non-faith question, so they'll never get an answer. See, in order for God to let you delve into his mind, you got to first believe that he exists. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently, you got to believe that if you follow him, he'll reward you with knowledge and understanding. You just can't pump God and see what he knows. So if you don't have faith in him and the existence of God and, and reverence that, once you know he's real, then what do you do? The Bible says devils believe in him, but they tremble too. If you believe in God, you got to have some action to follow that. You can't let the devil outdo you with his faith. <laughs> At least he got a trembling after his belief to show he really believes God. So we got to really step into that and and start dealing with God according to knowledge and understanding. But faith in him must come first. Reverence of him must come. Respect for him must come. All of that must come if we're going to get understanding and get benefit of knowledge of God. That's why a lot of those crazy people ask dumb questions are still asking them. They need somebody to pray for them. God, let this person humble their heart. Let them understand who they're talking about when they mention your name. You understand what I'm saying? Reveal yourself to them as you really are. Don't let them sit in darkness. He said, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
so that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. Things that are seen. So in other words, your house was not made a house. Your car was not made of steel and all the other stuff that go with it. Huh? Things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. This is what sets God above all the other gods. Because see, in other, in order for Muhammad to kill somebody, he got to use you. God says, I'm the God that kills and makes alive. He don't need our help. He he can he whatever he does in the visible is made from something that's invisible. That's how our God works. So he doesn't really need like people say things like, "Well, uh, you gotta tithe." No, you don't. You don't gotta do nothing, huh? They act like God can't move on your behalf without your money. When he says a cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. Now, if tithing is part of how you please him and part of your devotion to him, please, by all means. In fact, if you're a real believer, you need to be given more than a tenth. You need to be thinking of ways where you can get so more lifted up, released. huh? For those of you who are not scared of making a preacher rich, you won't make me rich with your giving. I can tell you right now. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but for some people that is a real fear you know what I'm saying <laughs> we don't have that fear running around in this house right here so he says you understand the worlds were framed by the word of God all understanding comes through believing God so your your little uh, carnal friends that ask you stupid questions about God and all that tell them until you're ready to be born again that stuff won't become you won't understand that you won't understand any of this. Now, I can answer your questions as best I can, but them crazy ones you keep asking me, like where did Cain get his wife from? That's the Jehovah Witness question. Uh-huh. Where did Cain's wife come from? She came out of Genesis, whatever chapter that was. That's where you saw her. So he must have had a wife. What do you care where she came from? You're trying to puzzle God. Seriously? I might be puzzled, but he ain't. Ask him. Ask him sometime. Huh? By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent, it really that word more excellent sacrifice means the ordained, ordered sacrifice, the required sacrifice. He didn't just throw anything out there. When you want to please God, find out the required things in your life. I see everybody's scared. What you mean required? What you mean? What you mean? <laughs> find out what's required. Oh, God choir stuff i i didn't i wasn't thinking like deep like that i was just thinking like you know how to get my bills paid well and then he obtained witness 
that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. See, your obedience to God causes you to have be in everlasting remembrance. The Bible says that the righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. Amen? Long after you and I have left this earth, somebody will be telling stories about my my grandmother, my great-grandmother that used to pray all the time. She had this beat-up prayer book, and they prayed it every time they got together, and da 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 Huh? Or my aunt was one of them people, and they prayed, and, and they say that that prayer is what helped this happen and that happen and all that kind of stuff happen. You'll be had in everlasting remembrance. Whether we're remembered by anybody or not, what you do is important to God, and it's important for your relationship with God. But it says here in verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible. So you got to understand how to please God with your faith. You must please him. You must believe him. You can't cry and moan and carry on and throw a tantrum and think God's going to give you what you want. In fact, people ain't going to give you what you want. You act up too much. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you can throw it in jail somewhere. You get to carry it on too much. Amen? And so we have to understand that faith is what pleases God, showing him your faith. Amen? So without it, it's impossible. So don't think you're going to be able to please him any other way. See, if you think confessing the word X number of times a day is pleasing to God, if there's no faith on it, you forget it. You just dried your tongue out. You confess to your tongue was dry. Or people say things like, oh, I prayed in tongue X number of hours. I said, well, you have your reward. I hope you were connecting with God in a real way. I hope he told you to do it or led you to do it so that you can do some good for somebody. What did your prayers avail? That's what you need to do. Hang around for the good report on it. You understand what I'm saying? If you're really doing something. So we must do what what we can as far as we must do what we do. I'm sorry, in faith. The Bible says that what's not of faith is sin. So faith is big as far as righteousness is concerned. You know, you got to please him with your faith. You got to do what you do in faith. You can't let go of your faith, even though you feel tired, weary, and tried, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can't let go of it. Why? Because faith won't let go of you. It's in your heart. Amen? So many times, you know, people backslide because they're trying to work something out of them that God's worked in them. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, it's like, oh, um, I don't want to do that no more. They get mad at the saints. That's the first thing. You know, people watchers always stay in trouble. Uh, you watch people, you're going to get messed up every single time because God never called us to watch each other. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Amen. Told you to watch you so you don't enter into temptation. <laughs> you got enough watching to do. Amen. So in Luke chapter 5, we're going to go to the story about the man that was carried in by four of his friends because we'll find out that faith does need help. 
Amen. And there is help for your faith. Don't ever be, don't ever quit. Don't ever get discouraged. Let yourself get over. There are some people I know that were very, very committed to the Lord at one time. Haven't been to church in 10, 12 years. They say, well, I go to church. How often? Not, not committed. Of course they're not committed. Because they think commitment's a problem. Yeah, I did this and I did that and I went all the time and I never got, well, you quit. Quitters never get anything anyway. Somebody else has picked up on some of your treasure that you left behind, probably. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so chapter 5 in Luke, where we start, um, 17, I think it is. It came to pass on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. So the religious, the witches, the warlocks, the demons are always going to want the front row. The front row is for people who are invited to sit there. If you don't know you're invited and you assume you're supposed to be there, well, Jesus had a parable about that. He said, don't try to get the best seats. He said, those are seats of honor that people who are worthy of honor are called to sit there, he said, because if you assume that position, somebody who's more honorable than you will come and replace you out of that seat. So you'd be embarrassed. You understand what I'm saying? Pack your little stuff in front of everybody and have to move back at the auditorium. So that is something that's always struck me about people who are, are striving you know, to get somewhere and be somewhere. But here the Pharisees are sitting on the front row, man, which were come out of every town in Galilee. Now, Jesus draws a crowd everywhere he goes, but it's always a mixed gathering. There's seldom a time where he preached anywhere where the Pharisees and the doctors of the law didn't come to check him out. You hear what I say? When you go and sit in front of a man or woman of God, you are not there to check them out. You are there to receive from God. Make sure you're there because God sent you there and not because you're trying to find something on somebody or curiosity got the better of you. Amen. Or somebody's been talking, oh, they've been talking about this person, and oh, they this and they that. I'm going to go see what they talking about. You understand what I'm saying? You don't ever go with that attitude. You don't know what might happen. I remember Miss uh, uh, Jan and I had a mutual friend. Her name was Jerry. In fact, I met Jerry through Jan, and, or vice versa. I forget how it went. But anyway, Jerry was a lady that used to give her testimony in the beauty shop where I worked. And that we would hear her testimony. And I remember when I got depressed and was in the hospital, I remember she said something about getting saved. And I said, God, is that what I need? Do I need to be saved? And God just led me in the sinner's prayer, him by himself. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, a witness is very powerful. 
But Jerry says she got saved. She said, I was drinking real bad and all this. And she said, my girlfriend told me, me and my girlfriend would get together and drink. And she said, she told me, girl, let's go by the church tonight. She said, it's a, a preacher from out of town, evangelist, and he is fine. So we go get it. So they sat through the sermon, and Jerry said, the girlfriend said, let's go up and shake his hand. And Jerry said she went up there before she got up to the altar. She said something hit her, and she was out for like a half hour. And when she got up, she said she was so scared, and she kept crying out to the Lord. She said, God, please help me, help me. And God had, she, she told some friends about it, and they led her to Christ. You see what I'm saying? That's how you get saved. That's mercy. Bible says when the righteous slap me down and knock me out, it's a kindness. Amen. So God was kind to her. But, you know, in her condition, she had to know God was real, apparently. And so here Jesus is, these men, uh, the man, they're bringing in this man. We have your doctors of the law. So it's a mixed crowd. The Pharisees, experts in the Jewish law, were all gathered in one place. There was somehow faith to be healed in that place. So this meeting follows the familiar pattern that Jesus set. He teached, he preached, and he healed, no matter who was there. The power of God shows up in response to the preacher's words. So whenever you preach the gospel, the power of God shows up. So whenever Jesus preached, the healing anointing showed up, especially if there were believers there. So then the faith of the believer must override the the um, skepticism and the, the evil of those who are coming to criticize, pick apart, and all that kind of stuff. So it really does not matter. There are many times you go to meetings and there's some cra- the craziest people. But they didn't stop God from healing people. They didn't stop God from blessing people. They didn't stop people from getting saved. You understand what I'm saying? So you can say, and you don't never know how many in the number are skeptics. Oral Roberts said that, that when he would preach, he would get invited to different churches sometimes. And he said when he would get up and preach and he would start out by saying God is a good God, he said there were always a bunch of preachers sitting behind him on the podium. He said he could just build daggers in his back. You got me? Hatred of that message. But they never stopped God from doing anything. This is what you got to understand. Amen. Faith is that powerful. Amen. Faith is that powerful. So there they were all these mixed multitude of people. The people who sat there that had hearts open to God began to mix the word with their faith. And that's how faith begins to dominate in an atmosphere. Amen. Those who believe mix the word with their faith. Amen. Uh, So the healing anointing follows the words of the preacher. Amen. Skeptics and critics also were present, but they had little power against Jesus's words. The, one of the reasons why is that they often sat quietly. Remember, Jesus would say, why reason ye in your hearts? <laughs> he would even read their thoughts. So really, to be honest with you, faith can keep unbelief in the devil in check. Because they don't want to be exposed 
in what they're thinking. So when they would when they would even venture to ask him a question, it was often after he had preached. They seldom interrupted him. But the other thing too is that when when he would when they wouldn't talk, he would ask them what they were thinking anyway. So in order for them to even come to a Jesus meeting, they had to have either be crazy and deranged, but you know you're gonna find crazy people. They'll go anyway. The devil's people respond to his command. So they just go. They gonna show somebody up. They gonna tell somebody off. All this kind of stuff. So he says they were. Uh, he says the Lord was present to heal them. The the that um, this is verse seventeen. It says the power and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a man which was taken in palsy. This is meaning he, he was paralyzed. He might have had seizures as well. And sought a means to bring him in and lay him before him when they could not find a way to get in to bring him in because of the multitude. They went on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or say, rise, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, you've got that power too. He says, I say to you, arise, take up your couch and go into your house. And immediately rose up before them took up that whereon, whereon he was laying and departed to his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed and glorified God, were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. So this man apparently wanted to be healed, but he didn't have the power to get to the meeting. So part of this is getting you to understand that without faith it's impossible needed helpers and they come in. Amen. So we need to understand that faith has the power to condemn and pass judgment on unbelief. When you understand that, you'll realize that you don't really have to argue and answer people. All you have to do is stand fast in what you've been believing. You got me? Just don't waver. Because the issue is for them to make you move over to where they are as long as you stand and you're believing and you stand in faith and you keep believing what you're believing you don't have to answer them belief much more than you're talking explaining reasoning all that kind of stuff that usually doesn't mean anything you've got to have confidence in that because you will spend many of your days trying to convince people of something that they need to be judged for. Remember the Hebrew boys always there manifested. And see, kids, my parents, it'll all get in jeopardy because of your faith. It's not because you're saved told Paul, Paul was scared. He was the only one in the city. He said, man, I got to get to heaven.
I was talking to the Lord about that. I said, God, all these people. It, um, I marveled at the fact that we had, there were people that we had prayed for to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They go back to the dead church and go, and it just would frustrate me. And I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why don't these people keep serving you and, and learn something and get to use the gift you gave them? He said, don't worry about them. He said, I got a, a draft man. He just shows up on people. Amen. So you're going to be rejected because of your stand of faith. That's part of it. And that's part of God's protection. Oh, you see people away from Christ and, and thought of as being mean. Sometimes people just say, you know, I said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. <laughs> they don't love me. They don't understand me. You know, my thing was to make sure I love people. You don't have to worry about God will reveal who you are soon enough. You get forgiven. You don't get condemned. You got to forgive one another. Don't say nothing about me cutting y'all slack and then I get crucified. That's those are the dropouts. The one that quit coming because they think the preacher's supposed to be critical. <laughs> Go to it, and then the next church they get in, they get treated like crap. Coming and going. Coming and going. I say, yeah, you didn't. You thought you had it bad over here. <laughs> so anyway, the, so this this man, he has his own faith, but his faith needs help because there is a place for the manifest. There is a location, a time, and a place for the manifestation, total natural manifestation of your total work. So here we have these men decide that they're going to let this man down through the tiles. We can't get in the door. We'll go, but we got to get this man in here. And see, that's the helpers of faith. You might have to go, any of that. Faith will find a way to your miracle. So, <clears throat> some of the things that are hindrances to what uh, to the manifestation of your promise. Many times we don't know how to have, get our faith from in our heart to get it to, from believing to receiving. You want to receive. So it's possible to believe in your heart and get stuck there because you don't know how to, to receive what it is that you need from God. So what the Bible says is that you must believe that you receive it at the time that you pray for it. So this young man must have believed at just when they would come to Jesus, they would come with a knowing if they could get to him, they would be healed. How do you get to him? You got to overcome obstacles. You've got to fight through some things in order to get your healing from God. So <clears throat> one of the the first hindrance they ran into was a crowd at the door. Now, who's in that crowd? You got unbelievers. You got believers. Whatever it is, whatever that group of people is that's sitting there and taking up noise and, and laughing and carrying on means nothing as far as you getting to Jesus is concerned. One of the things that we, we have happened with us Many times people will tell me things like, well, I watch you on television or God, I got this flyer. 
And I've seen this flyer before, but God told me to get here this time. See what I'm saying? So then you start on the journey of getting there. Some people are stopped by the fact that the meeting is not in their church. Because our pastors say, just don't go running everywhere, but you're sick. You were born in that church, and you're 50 years old now. And if God tells you there's somebody across town, see, that's like the woman with the issue of blood. She was not allowed outside because she was unclean. She definitely wasn't allowed to touch the priest. Now, she would have, she'd be able to touch him if she weren't bleeding, but she bled all the time. And so once she got there, she had to make up her mind that touching Jesus meant violating the law. Sometimes you got to break man's law in order to get what you need from God. Because faith came before the law. So whatever faith tells you to do, you do that. And then the law has to come second. You got me? That's how these people got healed. That's how the sinners got healed. That's how the saints got healed. They all got healed by their faith, not by obedience to the law. Amen? Faith had faith is always honored over and above the law. So here we have the crowd at the door is your natural hindrance. If God tells you to go to a meeting out of town or local, you got to consider the cost. Got to consider how to get there. You got to figure out who's going to help you get there. When these things fall into place, it's God. When you start to start out with your faith to put together how you're going to accomplish the obedience you need to accomplish, you will find that everything falls into place for you to get what you need from God. All of these natural obstacles can be overcome with your faith. This is a reminder of how important the corporate faith and corporate gifts are. Amen. Because we are a body. Each person carrying him represents a needed element. There were four people that were over on each corner of that cot. These people represent, in Second Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 7, it says to add to your faith. The first thing you add is virtue. Virtue, another word that from the Latin word for strength, really that root means manhood. Amen? So the strength of Christ. Amen. And so he says, add to your, your, your faith virtue or strength. So if your faith feels flimsy or weak, you got to add more faith to that until you get that strength in you and that confidence. So virtue, strength, confidence, manliness, no man up and believe God. That's for you chicks too. You also add to that knowledge. You've got to understand, if you don't understand that God will heal you, you've got to look at, well, Jesus healed everybody. 
Jesus healed everybody that came to him by faith. Jesus never turned any knowledge like that is what's going to help you. See, many times we think of faith as something that can be good, bad, weak, strong. But that's not really true about faith. What The faith we have is perfect because it's faith of the Son of God. Once you begin believing the word, you have what you have done is you've taken your faith that is flimsy, weak, and goes back and forth, but you put it over into God for safekeeping. And what he gives you back is his faith. This is the exchange that happens by covenant. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am what? Strong. Because it, what happens is that when you use your faith to say what you are, you begin to get what God has for you. So there's never, when you believe the word, there is never anything wrong with your faith. Why? Because it's not yours anymore. You changed yours for the faith of God, the faith of the When Jesus said, have faith in God, that means believe his word. Huh? And then some people translate that, that as have the faith of God. Those little those little prepositions, in, on, under, over, all that, they can be translated interchangeably. You don't know what they meant when they said have faith in God. That mean might have meant have faith of God. Amen? So people receive it both ways. So what we have, when we put, when you put your confidence in God and his character, his love for you, he, that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith, he's going to help your faith when it gets weak, that you take on his faith and his faith won't fail. Amen. He's already said he prayed for us already. Our faith will not fail. So this is no fail faith. So why are you questioning what's wrong? Well, you got to wait for something. Why do you ask God what's wrong? There's nothing wrong. You just it got over in your flesh again, trying to tell God when to do stuff. It's your little busy self. Huh? Time is not your business. Hello? Where you going? You got someplace else to be besides serving God? You so pressed for time? Where where you on your way to? Oh, you ain't going nowhere. Huh? You just begging to live another day. You're begging for your bills to be paid another day. Huh? Same old, same old. You ain't going nowhere. Why are you all excited about time? How long is it going to take? I don't want to be no 30 and 40 and 50 and 60. Yeah, you're going to be 70 and 80 messing around. And you still ain't got no place else to go. Like you got somewhere on you. How long it going to take, God? I don't know how much time I got up in here. Now you know because your days are in his hands. Huh? So just calm down. It's going to be over in a little bit. <laughs> Amen. Patience or temperance. You got to get self-control. So you, you, what, what patience, patience waits. Faith is right now. Patience waits. So faith don't wait. Patience does. Amen. So you have different fruit of the staff. You have pull you back. I don't know what fruit that is, but we need that one too. 
So you need all the helpers. Love, because it never fails. Amen? Whatever you lack in staying power, you will have to add that to your faith. That's what's taking so long. You ain't add nothing. We said, well, I got faith. I believe you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Don't get so excited about faith. I know people that told you that's all there is to it, but I got news for you. We got more scripture in here. You ever read more of this book? Huh? You read the faith goody goody part, you know? Then the, when you get over to James, he talk about your faith being tried. What? Thank God it's only waiting. It could be worse. Look at the people we study in the, the uh, persecuted countries. And it's getting bad here. We just, you know, watchmen are pushing it away and, and holding back the line so it don't get no worse. You understand what I'm saying? So whatever you lack in staying power, you have to add that to your faith. You will have to stay put until it comes. You got to stay right where you are in God's kingdom until your answer shows up where you are. God is not going to chase you down back out to the world and through your pity party and your crying jag and your this and your that and give you what you ask for. You have to stay positioned where he puts you. Huh? A lot of times the enemy tries to talk us out. Huh? <laughs> Thank God the kingdom allows violence. Huh? So <clears throat> breaking out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son is the violence we're talking about. You have to break out of your flesh. Like the, the woman with the crazy daughter wanted Jesus to heal her daughter. And he kept pushing her away. And she got mad. She said, wait a minute. Now you healing everybody else. I know they ain't no more holy than I am. I don't care who y'all call yourself. I know who my peoples are, where I come from. But God don't love them no more than he loves me. Amen. And I'm going to get my stuff that I came from. So she broke. She didn't break into God's kingdom. She broke out of darkness. See, she broke out of unbelief. She broke out of one just being uh, unsatisfied and complaining about the condition her daughter was in. She broke into faith. Amen. So the violent begin to take things by force. I know my Redeemer lives. I know God has this plan for me. I don't care what you say, devil. I know your voice and I know you're lying to me and I know God still has this for me. Amen. So, So that's what you do. And then the people that removed the tiles, after they got on top of that thing, they had to take tiles up. Amen? That's your time. It's going to take time. You understand what I'm saying? And you ain't doing nothing else because you know your answer is right there. After time starts passing a little bit, you know you're closer today than you were yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to be closer than you were today. So the tile picking is necessary for all of us. Amen. Barring a, a gift, a supernatural gift of the spirit, we're all going to have to wait for something. But while you're waiting, pick some tiles. You know what that means? 
get stuff out of the way that's a hindrance. Get in your word. Go get you some decent worship music. Get off that moaning and groaning stuff. Huh? So, Sheree, uh, Sheree, what? Every time I snooze, I lose. She, her brother was on there singing a lullaby to the baby. I'm looking for something like, he's, he's back in love again to the baby. I said, boy, isn't that a sweet lullaby? Hey, but you don't want to snooze on this. See, you want to, believers like to, to go AWOL, get mad at God and go do this for a minute, get mad and show how you could just go do this. Uh-uh, you snoozing. Huh? You snooze, you lose. You got to get up and pick some tiles because there's something you can do while you're waiting on God. The, t- the time will go like, because you'll see every time you pick a tile up, you get, oh, I see the lights. I can see people down there in that floor. I can see what's going on. We're almost there. Amen. So you're picking your tiles is necessary before you can get what God wants for you. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Lord. I think how many of you feel better? You feel more confident in your faith since we've been doing this. I know it's helped me. It has helped me. And those of you who are watching on the Internet know that this word is coming to you to strengthen you. So that don't be at home afraid of anything. Fear is not for you. God didn't give you that spirit. You could refuse it. So, Father, right now we rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Your word says none of the diseases that you brought on the Egyptians are for us. You are the God that heals us. Everybody repeat after me. I can't get it. It can't get me in Jesus' name. Amen. So we all good. Amen. Amen. Amen.